Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll Bennett. And we are obsessed with flipping puberty positive. Puberty is a stage of life best described as a roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts. It happens to literally every human being on earth. And it shouldn't be cringy. It should feel, you know, pretty comfortable. Which is why we started this podcast and a newsletter and why we film slightly ridiculous but informative social media videos. It's why we have a brand that makes clothes that literally feel so comfortable and why we write books too. Our latest is This Is So Awkward, Modern Puberty Explained. We have built a universe of puberty positivity and it all started with this podcast. We are so happy that you're here. Hi, Cara. Hi, Vanessa. Happy New Year. I mean, ah, it's not even the new year when we're recording this, but I really <laughs> wanted to say that. And this episode is going to play in the new year. Did you Happy see new me new pause? Year. I was like, wait, what? Wait, and- hold the phone. <laughs> Vanessa Kroll Bennett at a loss for <laughs> words. A, loss for words. <laughs> a never event. As Sometimes we like to say. miracles do happen. Um, Sometimes. Happy New Year to you, Cara. Wink, <laughs> wink. Doesn't it feel um, good to forecast that? To forecast a fresh start. Um, yeah. And you know what it means? It means it's the new year. So we're well rested and we're relaxed and we have all these wonderful. Yeah. Um, I mean, the gigantic bags under my eyes that YouTube <laughs> viewers are seeing do not exist because it's no, 2024. They're a figment of your imagination. They were a, they were a 2023 thing, <laughs> not a 2024 they were thing. So last year. Vanessa. Um, yes. Last year. <laughs> I'm gonna endlessly amuse I know myself. you're like also I might have had ends. extra coffee from my new coffee machine which you all know I'm obsessed with and um so if you 
I, I might need to have you not play this episode on 1.5 speed because I'll be going very fast in that case. But last year we got an excellent, we get so many excellent podcast requests, by the way, keep them coming. We love them. We welcome them. But we got such an interesting question that we have talked about a little bit in different kinds of ways, but we've never thought about as a standalone topic from this particular perspective. And this is what it was. It was, how do I handle my kid entering romantic relationships when there are food allergies involved or latex, things, latex allergies, environmental allergies involved? And the question was not like, how do I help my kid who is allergic? It was, how do I help my kid who might be making out with someone who is allergic? Like, what do we need to bring to that equation in order to educate our kids to help them keep other people safe? Because it's really, it's not about our kid. If our kid doesn't have an allergy, it's about who they partner with. And we know from our hookup culture episode that they may or may not have a deep, intimate connection with a person and know their medical history. So this is actually a really relevant question for all kids who are becoming sexually curious and sexually active, which is like, what do I need to think about and know about with various allergies in my partner? Right. Or if your kid is allergic, how do you teach them to self-advocate when it's already a complicated situation being intimate with someone and not wanting to like be embarrassed or say something that will be totally, you know, humiliating or uncomfortable or whatever. Yeah. Do you want to start with food or do you want to start with latex? I think we start with food because food relates to sort of the first base of it all, the kissing and sort of early. Is that even still first base? I'm not in sure. In 2024. <laughs> I'm not sure. Birthday. 2024 is so nostalgic for 1984 and therefore first I mean, base right? is kissing. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with food because it feels like a first step into this question. And then obviously when we're getting to latex, we're getting to a different level. Whole other ball game. Yeah. I really want to start by setting the scene in terms of saying how many people have allergies, right? This is something we hear about all the time. And it's something that those of us who have tweens and teens in particular, we were in a cohort of parents where allergies were really, really coming into mainstream conversation when our kids were entering school, preschool and early grade school, right? I'm thinking, Vanessa, about your oldest who is 21 years old. Happy birthday. Not yet, of <laughs> course, because his birthday's <laughs> over the break, but this episode's happening after the break. Um, so happy this belated. This joke is never going to get old. <laughs> never going to get old. Um, but I'm thinking about like when he started preschool, that was right about the time that food allergy became a major conversation in preschools. Yeah. I mean, to the point where one of my kids, the allergy conversation was so early and burgeoning that one of my older kids, a 15-month-old, we fed him sesame noodles from the Chinese restaurant, which had sesame and peanut. And he blew up like a balloon. And it turned out he was allergic to the sesame and peanut. But like, we weren't even that well-versed enough to think like, oh, I sh we shouldn't have given him, you know, peanut sesame noodles as a 15-month-old. Right. 
And by the time he was three or four, I'm guessing you were asked to bring the EpiPens to school and yeah. all the parents were Nuts instructed free lunches about 100%. And, yeah. and then the people whose kids were allergic to chicken or broccoli or onions were like, wait, how about me? And right. right so, so what's the data? Okay. So I'm going to pull data from the Center for Disease Control. You can check this data on cdc.gov. And it's important to check the data because if you're impacted by allergies, you want to know that the numbers we're giving are correct. So any updates that you have that you want to share, bring them, send them. But this is data that's on the CDC site that looks at a national health interview survey from 2021. And it says 18.9% of all children have seasonal allergy. So those are environmental allergies. So close to one in five have seasonal allergy. 10.8% had eczema. So that's one in 10 have eczema, which is very well understood to be allergy manifesting in the skin. And 5.8% had food allergies. So less than 6% of all kids have food allergy, but it's still 6%. That's a big number, 5.8. Boys are more likely to have seasonal allergy than girls. Okay. Mm. Which is, I find interesting. Eczema, it kind of bounces around. It rises in the zero to five-year-old group peaks sometime between six and 11, and then starts to drop off again in the tween and teen years. And then one of the callouts at the top of this page says non-Hispanic black children were more likely than non-Hispanic white and Hispanic children to have a food allergy, which is interesting data. So said another way, just over a quarter of all kids in the US have at least one allergy. Okay. So that's significant. Let's then jump into peanut allergy, one type of food allergy, but maybe the most common one that's talked about. It's only 0.6% of the population. Did you expect more? Mm-hmm. Right? I did. So talked about. Yeah. But among kids in the Western world, the rates are between 1.5 and 3%. Now, Western world feels like it's uh, antiquated language. So you know, I can do a deep dive on that data later later and circle back with you. But I think later data. Later, <laughs> later data. And a lot of this data is self-reported. It's not like, you know, people are combing these databases looking at the data there. There's a study published in the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology, which is a very well-respected journal. This is from February of 2021. And it states very clearly that peanut allergy is the leading pediatric food allergy and the most common cause of anaphylaxis. So yes, it's only apparently 0.6% of the total population, uh, but it's higher in kids and it's the it's the most um, well-documented food allergy. The self-reporting of peanut allergy is 2.9% of US adults say they have peanut allergy. Kind of interesting. 1.8% of them have, quote, convincing peanut allergy. Interesting. And 17% had the onset of their peanut allergy in adulthood. Huh. I know, right? So that's interesting. If you're looking for straight numbers, not percents, um, about 4.6 million U.S. adults have peanut allergy, 800,000 or so of them developed it after 18 
after they left home. Which is all to say that these questions that we're being asked are pretty darn relevant and continue to evolve and be increasingly more relevant as kids grow and as they are out into the world doing more and more independent things and have a immature prefrontal cortex and a very lit up limbic system. So they're choosing to engage in behaviors a little bit more impulsively than maybe someone 10 or 20 years older. And, you know, suddenly there's a food allergy. So the most basic question is, right? Like when they were little, it's like, okay, how does my kid go to a birthday party and stay safe with the food? And if the food that was served, my kid is allergic to, then there's like the touching and the games and the musical chairs or the little soccer or whatever it is they're playing, the art projects, right? So there's there's that issue. When they get older, the concern is like, okay, so what if my kid has an allergy? Let's use peanut allergy, for example. Or the person my kid is hooking up with has a peanut allergy and my kid just ate peanuts or is thinking about peanut. Like what needs to be going through their minds as they consider these risks and how to keep each other safe? I'm going to guess that the listeners, the vast majority of listeners are all sharing the same thought that I'm sharing right now, which is, do you remember reading an article in the paper when you were an older teen or 20 something about a kid who had anaphylaxis or even died because of peanut allergy and kissing someone? I mean, these stories, which are horrific, have been in the zeitgeist, in the news for a very, very long time. And it's terrifying. And so every one I know who has read any of that is rightfully terrified when they think about how that might impact their kid or someone that their kid is with, right? And it's equally terrifying no matter what side of the equation the kid is on. So it's so funny that you start by saying like, what can we do to keep kids safe? Because until we got this question, anticipatory guidance about what you eat and then how you share your body with someone was never something I thought about, right? I mean, you're shaking your head. No, and I have a kid with a peanut allergy and I've never had a conversation with him about it. Right, I mean, it's like, come on, Cara and Vanessa, we have enough conversations. You keep dumping more on us. (laughs) Do we really have to think about this? But I actually do think we really have to think about this. So I would break it into two categories, Vanessa. I would actually break it into three categories. So one is the conversations you have with a kid who has an allergy. One is the conversations you have with a kid who's dating someone or hooking up with someone with an allergy. And then one is the generic conversation like, hey, we just want you to think about this because, you know, you don't have the allergy and either you've never been intimate with someone or you've never known of someone to have an allergy you've been with, but you got to think about it. So in the first category, what do you say to your kid who has a peanut allergy in order to keep them safe? What words do you want to use? Right. I mean, so those of us who parented kids with allergies, the first skill you want to teach them is self-advocacy. And that, you know, wherever they go, they let people know that they have an allergy, whether it's a play date at a friend's house or at a restaurant or on an airplane. And you build that skill because very quickly your kid with an allergy 
is not with you all the time, right? When they're little, you're at the birthday party and saying, oh, well, what's in the cake? And, or you're at a restaurant with them. And then there's a point where it's, you know, it's up to them. So that same self-advocacy needs to get translated into the context of being intimate with somebody else. And this is a moment where we have to be realistic on a few levels. One, I'm sure there are a lot of people thinking, well, like, if your kid's hooking up with someone, then that person must know them really well and would certainly be aware of the fact that this kid has an allergy, right? Like is allergic to nuts. But the fact is, so this is realism number one. The fact is kids are often hooking up with people they don't necessarily know that well, or maybe even just met. And that person might not be aware that their partner has an allergy. So we have to be realistic about that. We also have to be realistic about how a kid might share with their partner that they do have an allergy, right? And if we're talking about kissing, it could be a 12-year-old or it could be a 20-year-old, right? It's not... Oh, yeah. So how a 12-year-old might choose to express that before, I don't know, a game of like spin the bottle might be quite different from how a 20-year-old might express it at the end of a night after they've been to a party. And a couple of other realistic zingers. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, magnesium breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, magnesium breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors ready-to-eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our Factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never-frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. 
Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. They don't like to carry their EpiPen everywhere, right? I mean, just, I mean, maybe your kid does and that's amazing. But the vast majority, part of the pushback and rebellion of adolescence shows up there. And so- conversations about the importance of having an EpiPen on them and available, which is twice as hard for kids who don't carry purses. And I'm not going to gender that because there are lots of people who we might think carry purses who just, it's the phone or bust, like they don't need, right? And so I'm a huge fan. If we weren't so busy making clothes to make puberty more comfortable, you know what I would make, Vanessa? What? I would make a cool allergy bracelet, like a really great looking, Hmm. really cool allergy bracelet, because it's a visual reminder to everyone involved, uh, like got to deal with my allergy. Also, God forbid something happens. Allergy bracelets are extraordinarily helpful for the emergency responders who come into the picture. So, okay. Those are the all the types of conversations with not fear-based, by the way. I didn't right. hear any fear in your voice. It was like, this is just really matter of fact. This is really what you need to deal with. And okay. I think if people are wondering, okay, like if I introduce the topic of kissing to my 12-year-old, is that me telling my 12-year-old, oh, go out and do it. Or if you're not doing it, what's wrong with you? You should be doing it, right? It's the age-old question of does bringing up a topic make your kid more likely to run out and do it. And we're going to give you the age old answer of no, it does not. (laughs) Like in every way we know it does. So if people are wondering, how do I bring it up with my 12 year old? One way to do it is to say to your kid, like, Hey, you're like in middle school and 
when you're in middle school, people do all sorts of new stuff, including maybe like kissing somebody else. And you may be interested in that. You may not be interested in that. And all of that is totally normal. But it's my job as your parent to keep you healthy and safe. So I need to make sure you know that you have to advocate for yourself about your allergies if you are going to kiss somebody else. And I I never want to dump more work on my colleagues, but this is one where you should 100% make an appointment with your allergist and have the conversation. Let the allergist guide the kid on what words to say and how serious the request needs to be. Because as parents, even though you know your kid's medical status best, this one may be beyond your knowledge. And it's a really great conversation to have with an allergist. Okay, let's switch to the kid who's not allergic and who is out there dating around and they are now dating someone who has an allergy, let's say peanut allergy. Vanessa, what's the advice? Well, that assumes that you know that your kid is dating someone or hooking up with someone. Amazing. Which is would be wonderful if you knew. Um, It's also possible this is, as you call it, Cara, anticipatory guidance in which you imagine that your kid may be at the age where they are thinking about or maybe even engaging and being physically. We're going to do that as the third bucket. Yeah. Okay. Let's do anticipatory guidance as a third. So let's. You have a you have a great relationship with your kid. You're you've just nailed this parenting thing. Your kid is talking to you. They're dating someone. They've told you, and they've told you this person has an allergy. Okay. So, I think that we ground it in a conversation about care, love, and respect. As in, every time we talk about relationships, we want to go back to some degree to love, care, and respect, because those are the foundations for a healthy, loving relationship forever and ever and ever. And we want to lay that groundwork. So you say to your kid, hey, I know you really like this person. And it's so exciting that you have found someone that you want to spend lots of time with. And I'm not going to ask you what you do or don't do when you are together. But it would be silly of me to assume that you are never physical with each other. And so I'm just going to give you some reminders about their safety because you shared with me they have an allergy and I want to make sure that you are thoughtful about that. And that also might mean having a conversation with them about the allergy and how you can help them stay safe. Boom. Done. Right. So what you've done is no judgment, no shame. You're also not assuming anything about their interaction. But what you are doing is you're setting the stage for your kid to make some choices that will benefit someone else or frankly, won't harm someone else. Mm -hmm. And that's very, very important. And you don't want to increase anxiety. So I like how you did that where you didn't make it about because you could do something really bad that could hurt them. That's not, you know, it's maybe true, but not always the most helpful form of communication. So what you did is you laid the groundwork for this is how you can protect the person. Another way into that conversation is to say, I'm so glad you told me about their allergy. Listen, if the roles were reversed and you were the one with the allergy, what I would hope the other parent would do would be to help my kid avoid peanuts while they are in the vicinity of 
the plus one, you know, like what would you do if the, the shoe was on the other foot? And that way you can bring a little empathy in there and you can give your kid a solution. Hey, you can just, you can go off peanuts right now and it's no big deal. So many kids don't eat peanuts and it just keeps that person safe. There are lots of interesting, easy ways into this conversation. I think the other piece of it is that the parent with the allergic kid, and we didn't talk about this in scenario one, but it applies to both of these scenarios. The person with the allergic kid, it's probably time to really think about doing one of the immunotherapies that helps protect a kid against anaphylaxis when they're exposed to the food or the allergen. There are lots of different kinds and doing a deep dive into the research and talking to your allergist about it may be appropriate now if you haven't already, because it's an added layer of keeping your kids safe. And it's it's a time investment. It can be a financial investment. Different people have different choices to make around that, but I think we have to add that for completion. Okay. Before we move on to latex, let's just do bucket three, which is the bucket of my kid's not allergic. And I know of no direct exposure to a kid who is allergic. What is the sort of big, broad advice that we can give our kids? And I'll start and say, from now on, I'm just going to add this into my conversational (laughs) repertoire. And I'm just going to say, oh my God, something I've never thought about before is it's not just about STDs and STIs, and it's not just about consent and enthusiastic consent, but there are also things to think about like allergies. And you know what? You want to make sure that any partner that you're with is not um, severely allergic because you never want to be part of an equation that could put you or anyone else in danger. So I'd add this question to your list of questions, like say it with a smile on your face, say it with no judgment, super easy. We are not having this conversation because we want caregivers to feel burdened by yet another conversation about how many conversations to have with your kid about sex. We are having this conversation because one way we teach kids to be a thoughtful and respectable romantic or sexual partner is to be really aware of the health and safety of the person you are with. So here is sort of the final big topic then around, I mean, I know we just jumped into latex, but let's just get to the question, which is what do you do if you have a kid who is trying to be sexually responsible and doesn't want to expose a latex allergic partner to latex, then you use a non-latex condom. And there are two large categories of non-latex condoms. Okay. There are the quote natural ones. And the best example I can use is lambskin. Okay. Made of intestinal membrane of lamb. Okay. It just is what it is. They protect against pregnancy because the sperm are too big to cross the lambskin, but they do not protect against the transmission of many STIs, specifically bacteria like gonorrhea or a virus like HIV, because those organisms are too small to be held back from their very porous filter. From an allergy standpoint, lambskin condoms might seem like a great idea, but from a STI, STD perspective, not the best 
way to go personally. And then there are the whole bucket of synthetic non-latex condoms. And there are lots of different options on the market. And we can take a deep dive into them here in the data. I'm looking at an article from the Cleveland Clinic, um, and they are a fabulous medical institution and very reliable. And when you look on their website, clevelandclinic.org, and you search, have a latex allergy, safe condom for you. They list four different types of non-latex, three of them being non-lambskin, polyurethane, which is made Mm. of a thin plastic instead of a rubber. And they really do protect very well against STIs, but they sometimes don't fit as tightly as a latex condom. So some people worry that they're going to slip off more easily. And I guess they can slip off a little more easily. Polyisoprene condoms, also made from synthetic, but this is synthetic rubber. So it's non-latex rubber, right? So Mm. you shouldn't have the allergy. They are often described as stretchier. And so again, not looser, but stretchier, but they do protect against the transmission of STIs. And then on this site, they cite a third category of female condoms, which of course you and I both know because we wrote all about it, are the same as male condoms, just a different shape. So if you're Mm going to go for a female condom, you just have to look at the ingredients in that condom. So it's very interesting that there are synthetic rubber and synthetic non-rubber options that are not as porous as lambskin condoms. And I think a very good solution for anyone who is looking to be safe from a latex allergy standpoint. So, I mean, happy new year. That's a bucket of things <laughs> I never thought we were going to talk about on the Puberty Podcast, but an amazing set of questions and prompts. And I think a great way to kick off a new year with lots of new conversations. I mean, here's a resolution for you. Not only are you resolving to talk about sex with your kid, but you're talking about sex and allergies with your kid. We would love to hear from parents who have raised kids with allergies or whose kids have had partners who have allergies. What are the scenarios we didn't think of? What are the challenges that come up that we didn't include here? We'd love to explore it further and hear from your perspective how we can be as comprehensive as possible. Bye, Vanessa. Happy New Year, Cara. We absolutely love hearing your feedback and getting all your questions. So anytime you want to be in touch, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for great puberty products like the Oom shorts or the Oom socks or the Oom bra, you get the theme there, go to myoomla.com. If you want more content, you love what we do on the Puberty Podcast and you want to have us come speak or learn more about our book or subscribe to our amazing newsletter, The Awkward Roller Coaster, go to orderofmagnitude.co. Remember, it's .co because we don't have enough money to buy .com. Yet. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com